We thank you, Father, that you are a God who turns mourning into dancing. And we thank you that you have loosened the sackcloth of mourning from your people. And you are a God who clothes your people with gladness, that our glory may sing your praises, and so that our hearts would not be silenced. So God, we gather together in your name today to give you praise that is due your name, to acknowledge that you alone are God, that you alone reign over all the earth, and so our hearts will be glad and rejoice in you, and our hearts will give thanks to you forever. Father, we thank you for your grace that sustains us, that saved us, and we thank you that you continually pour out upon our lives gift after gift. And Father, we want to simply sit at your feet today. Bless your name and be blessed by your presence. So speak to us. Change our hearts. Convict our lives in areas that need to be changed so that in every area of our lives, our thoughts, our desires, and our deeds would all bring glory and honor to your name. So, Father, I ask for your strength now that you would speak through me today. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sights. O oh Lord, our rock, our redeemer, and it is in the precious name of Jesus we pray. You know, one Sunday morning, as church was about to start, a mother came into her son's room telling him to hurry up and get ready or else he's going to be late for worship service. But the son complained uh, and saying, I don't want to go. No one likes me there. I don't like going to church. Mom, don't make me go. But the mother kept prodding him, saying, it's time to get ready and go. You need to go. And to which the son replied, Mom, give me just one good reason why I should go to church today. And the mom said, I'll give you three. Number one, I'm your mother. Number two, you're 40 years old. And number three, you're the pastor. <laughs> you know, leading is never an easy thing to do. And I think uh, many of pastors may have felt like that sometimes. Uh, but, you know, leading is a challenge, but leading in times of a crisis, uh, and especially during times of pain, is even more difficult to do. And so my heart goes out uh, to the pastors in the U.S. right now who have to deal with so much of the aftermath of the racial tensions that has, that has escalated over these past weeks because of the Ferguson shootings and the trial. Uh, my heart goes out to the pastors who lead churches in persecuted nations around the world. Because leading is hard, but when life is hard for people, leading can be an even greater challenge. But despite the challenges of leading, there are also great rewards that come with it in the end. And Peter reminds the leaders of the suffering churches that he is writing this letter to, that though they are under great persecution and threats, and though they are suffering, do not give up serving and leading the people of God 
because in the end, there will also be great reward. In fact, it is those who lead well, especially during suffering, those people will be rewarded even better in the end. You see, true leadership is about honoring God through our leadership and with our leadership. And so Peter will teach us today what that entails. What does true God-honoring leadership look like, especially when we need to suffer? So that's what we will look at. So open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. We'll be looking at uh, the first portion of the final chapter in this letter. And also I want to encourage you to follow along with me in your outlines as well. So what does Peter teach us? about God-honoring leadership. First of all, we learn that in God-honoring leadership, our motives matter to God. So everyone repeat, our motives matter to God. Our motives are important and matter to God. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, starting from verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. So Peter says, I speak to you, elders and church leaders, as a fellow elder, as a fellow servant, as a fellow leader in the church. I'm not speaking down to you. I'm not trying to command you as if I am your leader or I am better than you. No, I'm speaking as a fellow servant, heart to heart. This is the motive of how I am speaking to you. As a uh, beloved brother in Christ, to a fellow servant in Christ, he is giving these remarks. And what he focuses on to begin with are the motives of their service. He says, shepherd the flock of God that is under your care, not under compulsion, meaning not because you have to, because there's a need for you to serve or because you are asked to serve or because they're, uh, you know, they voted you to serve, that you have to do this out of duty and obligation. He says, no, 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 no. Don't let that be the motive of why you are serving the Lord. He says, you want to serve out of a motive that would also honor the Lord. And then he says as well, you do not serve the Lord for a shameful gain. Right? So we don't do it for what's in it for me. And back then, uh, they were under persecution for being believers, and not only could their lives be at risk at times, but also uh, if their bosses found out they were Christians, a lot of them would lose their jobs as well. And so that was the case for some of them. They lost their jobs, and so now they are also uh, serving as shepherds and pastors and elders in the church. And so because they have lost their financial uh, income in the past and now they're serving the church in this capacity, he is warning them that if financial opportunities come, make sure you guard your heart so that money is never the motive of why you are in ministry. 
So he was giving this warning. You see, what you do is important to God, but why you do things is more important to God. Serving the church matters to God. Giving your tithes and offerings matters to God. But why you do them, why you give, all of these things matter more to God. You see, to God, the heart matters the most. You see, leading is good, but your motive in why you lead and why you want to lead uh, matters even more to God because God values the heart motive. You know, I've had people come up to me saying, Eddie, can you pray for me? I really want to be a pastor one day. And I'll ask, okay, why, why do you want to be a pastor? Because nobody respects me. And when I see pastors, I see that people respect them and they listen to them. No one does that to me. So I want to be a pastor. And so I usually pray in my heart, God, please don't make him a pastor. <laughs> why? Because beginning with that motive, will destroy a ministry instead of bless a ministry. Motives matter to God. I know of another guy, uh, he's not in this church, it was many years ago. He served so selflessly. He was so humble in setting up chairs and preparing the worship service and cleaning up afterwards. He was so generous uh, to other people. And I was so blessed and impressed by this guy. And it came the day where he got selected to be an elder. And I was so happy and excited for him. And right after he became an elder, I overheard him saying, finally, I don't have to serve anymore. And his attitude totally changed. He went from being a servant to a slave driver. It was amazing and fascinating to see how different he became after becoming an elder. And I was in shock at the transformation that happened in his life. And you see, that is so much of a temptation for our flesh that for a lot of people, we want to be leaders to be seen, to be respected, to be listened to, but that's not the motive of leading in the kingdom of God. And so that is why Peter is giving this guideline and this warning for the church. You see, we can fool everyone, and everyone can fool us, but no one can fool God. Peter knows that our hearts can be so selfish, and we can be so easily bent on pleasing people instead of pleasing God. And so he's saying, be careful. Check your motives on why you are doing what you are doing. You see, we serve out of an overflow of thanksgiving for the grace given to us. We serve because it is an honor to be in the service of the king. Not for money, not for fame, not for respect, not to look good in front of other people, not for a resume. We serve and live for the audience of one. Amen? We do it all for him and him alone. So our loyalties, our devotion are always to Christ and Christ alone. He is our leader. He is our shepherd. He is our guide. I love what Paul wrote concerning this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'll read from verse 4. It says, For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? 
What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. And look at verse 6 and 7. I provided that for you in your outline. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. We are nothing. God is everything. Amen? And in a similar way, in this 26, 27-year history of this uh, OEM ministry, others before me, they have planted. I was given the honor to water, but it is God who allowed us to grow. And in a similar way, I may have planted certain seeds in my season here, and others who follow in the years to come, they will water, but it is God who causes growth. We are nothing. God is everything. Therefore, our loyalty, our motive of why we do things, the person who we serve is Christ, not man. Amen? He is the reason we live, breathe, and have our being. He is the reason we serve, because he is the only one worthy to follow. Our motives matter to God, and we are here because of him. So examine your motives now. Why are you here? Why do you serve? Why don't you serve? If the answer isn't because you love Jesus, then we need to pray for a change of heart so that he is the motive of all that we do, so that our loyalty, our devotion, and our motive for serving and leading in this church is because of our love for Jesus. He must be the reason we are here. Amen? Another factor that Peter mentions uh, in this God-honoring leadership is that our, not only must our motives be important because they matter to God, but also our methods matter to God. So everyone repeat, our methods matter to God. So why we do things is important, but also how we serve, how we lead, how we do things, our methods for ministry also matter to God. Let's look at 1 Peter 5, uh, verse 2 and 3. Shepherd the flock of God. Okay, so that's how we are to lead as shepherds. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, verse 3, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So we are to shepherd the people of God. This is the same word. Now, this is uh, pretty neat because Peter is writing this, right, to the church leaders. Say, Do you know how you need to lead? Because that matters to God. You need to make sure that in your leading, you lead as a shepherd. Now, this is the same word that Jesus spoke to Peter when Jesus was reinstating Peter. 
You know, after Peter denied Jesus three times, and then later on after his resurrection, uh, Jesus asks Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, you know that I love you. He says, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Jesus, you know that I love you. Shepherd my flock. Same word used. And Peter understood that. That Jesus was saying, you tried leading like the ways of the world. Now you're a part of my kingdom. And in this kingdom, it's about shepherding people. And so Peter learned this lesson, and now he is teaching this lesson to the church leaders as well. He says, take care of his sheep, shepherd them. It is about leading with love in order to protect and provide. The fact that Jesus calls himself our shepherd and also calls us to shepherd his people means he wants us to lead like him, shepherd like him, but ultimately he wants us to love like him to his people. And a key way that a shepherd loves, Jesus also teaches us, is that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So a good shepherd is ready and willing to give up his life for those who have been entrusted to that shepherd. An article in National Geographic several years ago provided a powerful picture of this kind of love. After a vast forest fire in Yellowstone uh, National Park, forest rangers were hiking up this mountain to uh, survey the damage that was done by this fire. And one ranger, uh, seeing the bottom of this tree, saw a bird that was burnt and buried in the uh, ashes, perched like a statue on the ground at the base of a tree. Somewhat sickened by the sights, he knocked over the bird with a stick to see uh, what was on the other side of this bird's body. And when he struck it, three tiny chicks ran and scoured away uh, from under their dead mother's wings. And he realized that this loving mother, keenly aware of the impending danger because of the fire that was spreading, she had carried her offspring from the top of the tree to the base of the tree and had gathered them under her wings, instinctively knowing that the toxic smoke would rise and thus harm her chicks. She could have flown to safety by herself, but she refused to abandon her babies. When the blaze had arrived and the heat had torched her small body, the mother had remained steadfast because she had been willing to die those under the cover of her wings of protection lived. Psalm 91.4 says, under his wings you will find refuge. That is a picture of God's loving care for us, God's sacrificial love for us. How are we to approach our service to others? As a shepherd, willing to lay down our lives for God's sheep. Amen? You know, that's a mentality that I always strive to have uh, in leading, but especially whenever I need to lead a short-term mission trip. 
Uh, and so that's the mentality that I train and teach to other leaders of mission trips as well. Because uh, they, these, this group of people, 10, 15, 17 group of people, they have been entrusted under my care by God, by their parents, by a lot of people they are entrusted to my care. And so now we're going to fly, go to a different country, different culture, be in a very different environment. And so I have a responsibility to make sure that I care for them and protect them. And so that's the mentality that I always have to have in leading uh, mission teams abroad. One time, I was in Thailand on a mission trip, and one of our sisters on our team was feeling pain in her chest and especially around her heart. Uh, she was worried that she was gaining heart problems and it wasn't going away and it was getting so bad we had to take her to the emergency room and she was very worried. Um, we were supposed to go back home in like two days and so all night she was getting all of these testings done, x-rays and MRI, all this stuff done inside of her and she was very worried and very scared. And so she was like, Eddie, you're not going to leave me in case they, I have to stay in the hospital longer, right? Because I know the team, we have to go back in two days, but if I have to stay in the hospital, you're not going to leave me, right? And so again, my mentalities are, of course not. And I'm here as long as, you know, you're here. And then she's like, but what if I die? I don't want to die in Thailand. And I'm trying to reassure her, hey, you, you'd be a martyr then, you know? I said, it's, you die on the mission field. She goes, oh, Eddie, stop joking around. That's not funny, right? Like, okay, sorry, sorry. And so I was trying to reassure her, hey, everything's going to be okay. No, we're praying for her. But then I need to start planning. And so I'm telling some of my other co-leaders on the team, all right, this is what you need to do for debrief here. Uh, why don't you guys go, uh, get ready to get the team ready to go if we need to leave in a couple of days. So she's freaking out. She's worried and she's stressed. And she's like, I can't believe I'm having heart problems. You know, I'm not even out of college yet. And she's really, really concerned. So I said, don't worry, uh, let's wait and get the test results, right? And so later that night, the test results came in, and it turned out her heart was fine, but because of all the push-ups that I made her do, uh, she was sore in muscles that she never used before around her chest and her arms. And so uh, I said, you don't have to do push-ups for the rest of our trip. But at least, you know, some of my leaders on the team and I, we were talking, but at least our motive was there. You know, we were ready to die here. We were ready, you know, to serve her in that way. Right? You know, Peter also says that we are to be examples to the flock. Verse 3, it says, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. You see, it's not about being a boss. It's not about being a master. It's about being a pastor. That is true Christian leadership. The ways of the world is to be a boss, be a master, but the ways of God's kingdom is to be a shepherd and to be a pastor. We are to live by example. It's been said that a leader is one who sets the trail for others to follow. That's what will win the trust and respect of others as well. Because if you have to keep reminding people that you're the leader, you're not the leader. If you have to keep whipping out the leader title card and say, hey, I'm the leader, guys, in order to get people to listen to you, you're not the leader. Because as the saying goes, he who calls himself a leader without any followers is simply going for a walk. So both our motives and our methods are important 
to the Lord. God takes note of why we serve, but also how we serve. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care of how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So he's saying take care of how you build. Take care of how you serve. Take care of how you lead. That matters to God. How you minister, how you serve in the church. That matters to the Lord. Your motive matters. Why you do it, that's important. But also how you do it is important to the Lord. A desire to honor the Lord with your gifts in serving this church, that matters. But also honoring the Lord in a way that will be a blessing to people, to love people. That also is an important thing in the eyes of God. But the most important part about it, at the end of verse 11, make sure that you always have Jesus and his gospel as your foundation. Jesus is the only foundation we must build our lives and ministry upon. Not a pastor, not a personality. We build our lives upon the foundation of Christ and his gospel. Amen? He is the cornerstone of our lives. So, that is important for us to know. Examine our motives. Why do you do what you do? That matters to God. But also, how do you serve? How do you minister? That matters to God. And there's one more thing that Peter reminds us today concerning God honoring leadership, and that's to remember that our rewards matter to God. So everyone repeat, our rewards matter to God. <clears throat> our rewards matter to the Lord. Look at verse 4, 1 Peter 5. And when the chief shepherd appears, <clears throat> you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now, why did Peter begin with, make sure your motives are in the right place of why you are in ministry, why you are serving the Lord, why you are doing the work that you're doing. Make sure your motives are there. Make sure the methods of how you do things is in line with the heart of God. Why does he stress these things? Because he is concerned about protecting your rewards in service for him. God speaks these words to us today so that our rewards will be protected. Because to God, blessing us is important to him. Our rewards matter to him. He wants to bless you with rewards. And now I know some people, whenever I say stuff like that, they get uncomfortable. They're like, Eddie, isn't that a bad motive to want spiritual rewards in heaven? Isn't that a bad motivation? But we need to remember that in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus uses that as motivation. He says, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward for your Father in heaven. So then he says, but when you give, when you pray, when you fast, let it be done in secret so that your Father who sees what is done in secret may reward you. So Jesus himself 
uses spiritual rewards as a proper motivational tool in our service to him. Serving the Lord, grounded in the gospel, done all for the glory of his name, will result in great reward at his return. The gain that we seek, even in our service, is not to be found in this world. Amen? What God will give to his servants will far outweigh anything that this world can offer. And what we will gain from him will far outweigh anything we have lost while serving him in this world. Because you can never outgive God. What God will bless you with when he returns for your service to him will far outweigh and blow your mind away compared to anything this world can offer. And what God will bless you with when he returns will far outweigh your deepest loss in this world. He is a God who restores all that the enemy has taken away. When the chief shepherd appears, he will give the unfading crown of glory. It is a symbol of honor. It is a medal of faithful service to the king. And this special crown and medal of honor will be rewarded for all who faithfully served him through suffering. Therefore, we do not stay focused on these temporary trials. We are not a people who sulk around in our suffering, feeling sorry for ourselves. We realize that serving the Lord, especially in pain, suffering, loss, and trials, will result in even greater reward when he returns. So there is only gain for serving Christ. There is only gain when we trust him in our pain. There is only gain for following Jesus. And the message is clear that Jesus is, Jesus and Peter is reverberating throughout scriptures is that it is worth it to serve the Lord. It is worth it, people of God. It is worth it to follow him. It is worth it to surrender to him. It is worth it to suffer for him. And for all of eternity, for those who did walk with him through the fire, for all of eternity, there will be honor, there will be reward, 
there will be favor and blessing for all who served him. It's worth it to serve the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 and following says, Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. The day meaning when Christ returns. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. All of our work and service will be tested through the fire. Why? In order to reveal the quality of our service to him. In order to reveal our true motivation. Is it for the applause of people? Is it to impress people? Is it for financial gain? What's your real motive of why you do things? The fire will reveal it. That is why our motives and our methods matter to the Lord, because that determines the quality of our service, and that determines the reward that Jesus will give to us, because our rewards matter to God. That is why he tells us today, make sure that you keep your eyes on me and keep your heart undivided before me. Because the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth that he may strongly support hearts that are fully his. He's saying, I want to bless you with a crown. I want to bless you with rewards that you will be able to enjoy forever in my presence. So don't lose your focus. Don't lose your passion. And don't lose your perspective on why you are here. Don't lose your perspective on why God has allowed difficult circumstances to enter your life. Don't lose your perspective on who you are truly living for and following, and that is Jesus Christ alone. Don't lose sight of that, people of God. You are here in this ministry, I hope, because of your love for Jesus. You have served in this ministry, I hope, because of your love for Jesus. Not for a person, not for an applause, not for a pastor, not for a pat on the back, but for Jesus. That's why we're here. That's why we gather. That's why we serve. For Jesus. All for Jesus. Only for Jesus. Amen, people of God? You see, the same situation will either weaken you or strengthen you depending on how your faith responds to it. And for leaders especially, it's going to be hard, but God is saying, don't give up and don't give up on me. Because in the end, it will all be worth it. You see, the trials have come to test you, yes. But for Satan, the same trial, he wants to decrease your faith through that trial. But the same trial, God wants to increase your faith and thereby increase 
your reward. The same situation becomes either opposition or opportunity depending on how you approach it. In your hearts with faith. God wants to bless you for your service to him. And that is why he cares about your motives. Because he cares about you. He cares about your methods. He cares about your motives. He cares about your rewards. Why? Because God cares about you. He loves you. And in his wisdom, he wants to do something powerful in you that could not have been changed by staying in a comfortable environment. But you need to exercise faith to trust him and treasure him more than the trial. He cares about your motive because he cares about you. Amen. Let's pray. Can we pray right now and can we examine the motives of our hearts at this time? Can we examine the motives of why we are here today? Why we serve? Why we don't serve? And if the motive and the answer to all those questions is not because of our love for Jesus, can we repent of not having a heart whose eyes are fixed upon Christ today? We ask the Lord to change our hearts so that all that we do would be for the glory and the honor and the love of Jesus. Can we pray together for that? Let's pray.